0: Welcome to this week's episode of Esports Wrap. I'm your host, Michael Amorgon. This week we're going to be talking about homebrewing and more specifically what it is and what you can do with it, along with the reasons of probably why you probably should not do that. But this is, I want to precurse this episode out by saying, first and foremost, this is for educational purposes only. I do not uh, nor does more cookies condone the act of jailbreaking or homebrewing your consoles, but so that you can get a further understanding of what it means to homebrew your console and whatnot, then that's the reason for this particular episode. So, what is homebrewing? Homebrewing is very similar to what you would typically do when it comes to smart devices uh, where you go into the software and the operating system and edit it in ways that it was not meant to well work like that so for example with smartphones uh you could jailbreak it i, I think that was one of the most popular versions of it the phrasing for it back in uh, when it was iPhones and then rooted for Android. And over time, the reasons for doing that with Android became less and less. iPhones, people still do it to create custom themes and so on and so forth, along with doing some less savory things with their devices. And that kind of transfers over to consoles on a whole as well. So a lot of reasons why people would want to homebrew their console and the name homebrew uh there's no real uh history behind the reason why that name was chosen but people say it's because you know you're at home and you're concocting your own stuff on your console so homebrew now essentially what it is is that over the years people have wanted to be able to do alternative things on their gaming consoles and this is not something that's new by any stretch or matter this is something that has actually been around for ages so for example uh in 2009 oddball became the first game for the magnavox odds odyssey since 1973 um that was someone who had written several other odyssey games and this was the magnavox odyssey is a really really old gaming console other consoles that you probably may have heard about that have also been um homebrewed are the fairchild channel f the atari 26 um sorry 2000 well 2600 the nes on nintendo entertainment system the genesis and master system the neo geo mvs uh aes and cds gameboy Including Game Boy Color, Advanced, so on and so forth. Uh, I think that one was really perpetuated mainly because of the the software for PC that was called Virtual Boy and then Virtual Boy Advanced uh, for the advanced games and stuff like that. Uh, then there was NES, uh, uh, Turbo Graphics, uh, 16 PC Engine. Uh, Atari Jaguar, PlayStation, Sega Saturn, Virtual Boy, uh, Nintendo 64, NEC, PC, FX, Nuon, Dreamcast, PC, I'm uh, sorry, PlayStation 2, uh, the GameCube, Xbox, the original Xbox, uh, then the PSP, the PlayStation Portable, Nintendo DS and DSi, and then 3DS, um, the Xbox 360, the PlayStation 3, the Wii, the Wii U now the switch um the playstation vita the xbox one and they've even got some homebrew stuff for the playstation 4 along with very specific versions for like the slim version of the ps4 now the majority of the reasons why people typically do this oh someone followed thank you mr yellow cg welcome to the cookie pack But the reason why a lot of people typically did this is, well, it makes it easier for them to put some customization onto it. There has been a little bit of controversy recently where someone did something that kind of creates a, an ability to maybe make a homebrews environment. This is where a game developer actually placed inside their game secretly a code editor and nintendo approved it it went on the e-shop e- and then the developer of you know went a little bit over abundance and selling everyone to share it over on twitter that you know check out this cool thing uh which i think was in python or quick one of the one of those coding languages um but you know Once Nintendo got a hold of that, they then took it down from the store. And the company who the developer was working for, uh, they had to then issue a press statement, and now they're working with Nintendo to maybe get it back, which means probably removing that hidden element of the game. So Nintendo is one of the hard... And I think almost all of them are very hard-standing for um, when it comes to actually dealing with, thank you, I know I'm happy, Wingswood, uh, sorry, Woodswings3576, but the reason why they're hard up about it is because therein lies other issues like piracy. So, yes, you've got the cool stuff that you can do with it, like enabling you to watch DVDs and... Uh, put custom themes up and uh, have a balance board, uh, run old PC games or running a different operating system. And, you know, a lot of stuff like that. So while it's all good and fun, there's the element that I, I mentioned, piracy, and that you can sideload or pretty much place on free versions of apps. Well, of games, I should say, or apps, depending on like what all's inside the eStore or the PlayStation or wherever it is that you're homebrewing. And this can cause obviously some issues because a lot of these game developers, they're not too happy with the idea of piracy and people getting their the things that they're trying to sell for free. Unless it's typically for free. The it's gotten to the point where even on the Nintendo 3DS they have Um, if you take a look at a Reddit called Nintendo, sorry, 3DS hacks, uh, it's a decent sized community there. Um, when I checked there earlier, it was about 144 people online on that subreddit and about 75,000 people who have subscribed to it. And that's just one of the different, uh, hacking communities for one particular platform. There's ones for the Wii, the Wii U, the uh, PS4, the Xbox, the Switch, um, so on and so forth. And if you even manage to have a GameCube, like, there are people still developing stuff for those as well. So, one thing to keep in mind is, while these things are well and good, sometimes they're not. And... They've gotten to the point where they even have an ability to go in, like you sideload an app, and go in and get things that you typically pay for for free. Like it, it has its own little store that apparently you're not supposed to talk about on 3ds hacks, but you can talk about on on 3ds Reddit sub 3ds thread, which is kind of weird. Um, but there are pros and cons to this so while you have all that stuff that you can maybe use and whatnot the question still remains as to why you would want to do it and you know it allows you to in the the official wording for it is that it allows you to install unofficial switch or whatever apps and games and you know it does carry risks. Those risks, especially when it comes to Nintendo and especially the Nintendo Switch, is that, well, you can pretty much never go online. And I mean never. Unless you decide to reflash back to being properly like the official software. And even that is hard within itself. Because once you update to a certain point, um, at times it may take months before the community can crack it now this is a little different because there was an update that they nintendo likes to throw these software updates and patches and they don't always make a lot of sense some because for the most part they're just really trying to fight the hacking community and this has been the case with even with um, ps4 sometimes these updates that they have that are really small uh are there to fight against um game uh, game save editors Uh, Code editors and so on and so forth where they're trying to uh, Cover up the exploits that exist within their systems because that's typically how these things happen exploits either via a game an app or a little bit um, More common but also a little bit rarer in certain instances the operating system itself so for example um, there have been games, games, that have actually enabled you to homebrew a device. Totally not intentional, but it's just something that happens. It's something that, that is there. Um and then they'll patch out patch it out, and like this was the case with one of the GameCube's um, games where the only way to really homebrew it was to get that game and then get a GameCube LAN adapter. Two things were hard about that. For starters, they patched out and replaced that version of the game with a more up-to-date version of the game that did not have that exploit. So then getting that older version became hard because even the physical CDs or DVDs, whatever you want to call them, Those were swapped out with the ones that did not have the exploit. Then there's the fact of GameCube, the LAN adapter being such a rare commodity because people typically did not use LAN connectors or Ethernet connectors or whatever kind of connector back in those days. You know, you just had it there, connected it, and it was just fine. It it just worked. It was a single player for the most part, and that's what you needed. Now. Well, single player, multiplayer, once you have to connect um, controllers, but it's uh, things like that. So then what they then had to do was actually get a mod chip. And you actually have to go into the device and actually change out parts and stuff like that to enable you to get access and homebrew it like that. So some people take it to the next step, which is hardware, like I just mentioned, to be able to gain access. Um, Sometimes these things are worthwhile, especially if, let's say, you play on the 3DS and you play one of the games that are on there and you want to stream it to your PC you then stream it on Twitch or wherever it is. That's typically not something that's able to be done. But with homebrew, you can. And so that kind of works out for those niche situations. But again, in cases like Nintendo, if they ever notice that your device is homebrewed or you have a invalid app or game then they have and probably will almost automatically ban you from their online service and possibly brick your device so in cases like that people have actually gone to the so far as to get two nintendo switches as an example one just for homebrewed stuff and one to play online officially and Sometimes that works out for them. Sometimes it doesn't. I know spending about, you know, 300 something bucks on twice for switches is not easy at all. And then there's the time and effort that actually goes into it, making sure that you have a proper version that, you know, is under the required amount, you know, to make sure that you can actually homebrew it. Then that in itself is hard because sometimes you have to go to several different stores trying to find that. So it's it's a little complicated to put it um mildly. So there are ways to do it and there are guides for that. This is not what this episode's about. Um some are as simple as just installing um connecting it to your computer and installing something. Some you have to go and use an SD card. Some you actually need to um, uh, actually have put something on your SD card, put it on to the device, uh, connect it to your computer, run it. It can get complicated or it can be fairly simple. And then it comes to all the different apps and games and stuff like that that you want to install after that. So a lot of these ones have been you can pretty much find them. Like, for example, the Wii Brew. You can search for that, or Switch Brew and PC, oh, sorry, PS4 Brew and stuff like that. You can find them just doing a Google search just for that kind of stuff. I'm not going to make it hard for you guys to find the stuff, but I'm not going to make it easy either. I Sometimes these things can offer you things that you really, really wish Nintendo would do, like a light and dark theme or a customizable theme for the Nintendo Switch. Which actually surprises me, considering that the Nintendo 3DS actually had themes on it. They actually had folders where you can move things around, sort them out. But the Nintendo Switch seems to have forgotten all of that. um, Forgotten anything about customization. And it's very... I don't know. Walled off. Like, it's... It's not what I was expecting as the predecessor to the 3DS when it comes to mobile Gaming from Nintendo, and maybe that might change with the upcoming Switches. Maybe that might um, change with an upcoming update. I have no idea. There, here are some examples of different things that you can sometimes have, and this is from Webrew, which actually has a much more extensive listing of brewing options than um, the Switch does. You can do everything from video and audio. So you can install a hidden channel which can play DVD content without a mod chip. Uh, have a Linux-based version of GXbox to play on your Nintendo Wii. So you can actually play Xbox stuff on your Wii. Which, again, goes into that whole piracy thing. Uh, you can have an application that allows you to display comics. A music player with a skinnable interface. a um, Something that is a shoutcast client. An alarm clock. Uh, a balance tool for your enjoyment. Uh, checking your... S- <coughs> Checking your Super Smash Bros. stats, uh, countdown until days for Christmas, an FTP server. You can actually sometimes switch over these things to actually work as a laptop replacements. This is especially useful back in the day when, you know, sometimes people's consoles were a lot more powerful than their PCs. Uh, you can have a metronome for your Wii. So metronome is something to keep track of time and stuff like that uh allows you to view text files online image er- editors uh, a Linux loader designed to use disk images or just run Linux on a whole uh, the list really does go on and here were some of the quote-unquote five essentials for the Wii uh, which were gecko OS which allows you to play games released in other countries so if something was region locked, say to Germany, Japan, but you're over in the United States, then you wouldn't be able to put that CD in because it wouldn't work. With this, you put the CD in and it works. Uh, you also have something like Wii Explorer, which allows you to actually go through. It's, it's pretty much just a file explorer and it just makes things easier to find on your SD card or USB driver or whatever it is. Uh, there's also the Wii MC, which is just uh, a media center. Uh, there's also Pimp My Wii, interesting name, um, which allows you to apparently uh, update your Wii without actually updating the operating system that could break your homebrew. So certain things would actually need to be installed up to a certain version before an exploit would work like the shopping channel for example apparently and like that wouldn't run unless certain things were updated but if you update on a whole then everything updates so that's where this steps in it updates what's needed and you can still keep your uh your hack and then of course the homebrew browser which allows you to and some people call these launchers. There's, for the most part, the homebrew launcher is across the board um, for what most things are named as. But this allows you to install games, applications to your device, uh, using an SD card reader on your PC and copying stuff over, so on and so forth. When it comes to the Switch, like I mentioned, there were things that are a little bit lower end. So it's more so just a video player for the Nintendo Switch, allowing you to play LAN-supported games online, wireless games online, um, allowing you to run Homebrew applications written in Python, a interpreter for the Nintendo Switch, a detect and repair for dead and stuck pixels, which is actually some. It sounds kind of nice. A multi-purpose file manager, the uh, apparently hentai gallery viewer. Um, the App Store that I mentioned earlier, stream games from your your PC to the Nintendo Switch. It's called in-home switching. Uh, They also have game engines like the Duke Nukem 3D, Love Potion, which is a love 2D for Nintendo Switch, an easy RPG player, which is RPG Maker 2000 and 2003, and the Solaris Engine, which is a Zelda-like action RPG game engine. Then you've got games from, well... The ones that they have listed here, I'm pretty sure, are the basic ones, not the ones that, you know, people are probably going to be going for. Like, there's one for breeding of hamster games and text modes. It's not that entertaining. But they do have some stuff like TriQuake, which is a source port of software's Quake. Hey, children, Welcome to the stream, man. Um, so here we go again. Yep. Uh, Then you have emulators, which is the real reason why a lot of people do it. Like They have emulators for uh, multiple platforms, um, Virtual Boy Advanced, the Chip 8 emulator, uh, RetroArch, which allows for different shaders, netplay, rewinding, uh, next frame, response times, so on and so forth. And they have save managers, which that's the tricky one right there because that allows you to edit and manage your different saves. So you can actually have like a fast and say and simple save manager for the 3DS and Switch written in, uh, well, the language doesn't really matter, but that allows you to not have to use Nintendo's uh, online service where they back up your information to the cloud. That allows you to just homebrew your device and save your stuff to your computer. So you can wipe it, give it to someone else. Put making um, get a new uh, Nintendo, Switch, put the save on it, and continue on from where you were. Then you also have stuff like I mentioned for the uh, for the PS4. So, for example, if you look at Wolo.net, there's one called a uh, PS4 Homebrew Store by Lightning Mods, and what they're essentially doing is the ability to download and install apps directly on your PS4 allows It also also shows the firmware that a homebrew application is playable on, along with release date, description, author info, and app ID. And you're shown a progress bar for the application's download. Uh, It has an auto updater so you don't need to reinstall the application again, optimizations for slow networks, and hard drive cache, um, cache with the ability to save the settings. Other features such as the ability to uninstall apps, see your local IP address, and custom backgrounds. And more. So essentially, you can make your own themes in a sense. Um, apparently, there are about fifty homebrew applications, but in seven pages ranging from utilities to emulators to homebrew and homebrew games. Among those, there's no PSN applications, which you know sound like they have nothing to do necessarily with PSN, such as Netflix, Crunchyroll, and Twitch, emulators like PS4 NES, PS4 GBE. Um, so that's Game Boy emulator, um, homebrew games like Flappy Birds. And so, you know, probably more mobile centric ones that you'll be able to install using that. And yeah, so there's, there's even like a forum for it. I don't, well, apparently the site's still alive. Was updated as of earlier this month. So that's April 11th, 2019. Um, They pretty much call it ps4 homebrew store what if your downloads came to you anyway so there's there's stuff like that and that's on a forum that i'm not going to state the name for again it's pretty simple to find stuff but again stating that while these things are fun and cool a lot of times they're unnecessary um we're not so sure what's going to be happening with the switch and what their updates and the customization that's going to happen but Sometimes these things things can be beneficial. So if you take a listen to the episode that I did with ROMs uh, and emulators, then you can understand the reasoning why sometimes these things are beneficial. Things like homebrewing allows you to save your information and get those dumps that are required to do those ROMs and emulators. And sometimes they can get lost to time if things like this are not done. And it's the, up to the community for the most part, because quite honestly, it seems like a lot of, well, a fair amount of times the developers themselves sometimes lose their original coding or the original CDs or floppy dirt, um, drives or, well, floppy disks or um, essentially whatever they stored the originals on. And that has actually happened more times than I'd like to actually admit when it comes to game developers. So... If you feel more of the type to keep everything to yourself and you're fine with not really being online, because, you know, again, doing this stuff and then going online is really risky and you do risk a very high chance of getting banned. Um, I know editing certain save data on the, the PS4, depending on what it is and which game it is, can get you banned. And so even places like that that do that kind of stuff will tell you if you're going to edit this stuff don't go online just don't sometimes people listen sometimes people don't most of the times when they don't they get banned because they do stupid stuff like um an example monster hunter world one such place was saying you know if you're going to unlock all the items then don't go online don't trade don't do anything unless it's just like just you doing stuff. People unlocked everything and started trading items that had not even actually been available to anyone yet. Guess what happened to them? People don't listen. So. Ending it all. Again, sometimes these things are good. Sometimes, though, and most times they're used for the not so great, especially when it comes to hurting people's bottom line. And. In my younger years, you know, piracy was something that I didn't really have a problem with. As I grew older, I understood the reasoning why people did what they did when it comes to trying to fight and protect their software and ideas. Uh, I can't control what you do. All I can say is this is an educational thing. to just give an information about what it is, what it does, what you probably what you need to know about it simply put so that's going to be this episode of esports wrap it's another short one um we're building up some episodes for the future that will be a bit more in depth but keep an eye out for that and while you're keeping an eye out don't forget we'll be back next week tuesday with another esports wrap at 6 a.m. eastern standard time our sister show more tech will be on Thursdays at 6.30 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as well. And if you missed any episode, any part of this episode or any of our past episodes, feel free to head over to moarcookies.com or listen to any of our podcast versions of this episode on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere that you listen to um, pod- podcasts, except SoundCloud. We're still working on that one. Um, yeah. If you want to be a part of any of our conversations, don't forget, we also have a Twitter at M-O-A-R underscore cookies. And we also have a Discord where you can jump in, uh, have have conversations with us about any of topics. And, uh, you know, sometimes we game inside there as well. So feel free to pop in, see if we're gaming. Jump in, join us. But that's it for this week's episode of Esports Wrap. until next time, guys, keep it savvy.